Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will continue teaching us from Genesis chapter 21, how God visited Sarah, and we'll learn how God visited others in their time of need, like Abraham, Joseph, Moses, Hannah, Stephen, and how God even visits the lost unbelievers today. Now, this message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, and also available on iTunes.com. Just search for the Friendship with God podcast on iTunes.com. Now, we have several teachings to offer you at the Friendship with God radio program as our resource of the month. Tom Cantor is our amazing Bible teacher, and we have some pocket-sized tracks and teachings from Tom Cantor to help you grow in your faith and prayers and your witness for the Lord. Now, these resources we are offering are entitled, How a Jew Came to Learn the Meaning of Isaiah 53, How to Pray for the Lost, How to Pray for the Saints, and What Kind of Love is God's Love? These written resources from Tom Cantor will teach you valuable and simple Christian lessons. Tom Cantor himself talks about how the story of a Japanese boy helped him to understand the meaning of Isaiah 53 and how a Jew learned the meaning of Isaiah 53. Now, Tom will also teach you how to pray for your lost friend and how to pray for your friend in the faith with his teaching on how to pray for the lost and how to pray for the saints. Now, finally, Tom will show you in a Bible track how God's love is honest, giving, inviting, patient, but also a love that can be rejected. But it's also a love from God that you can pass along to a person you know with a Bible track from Tom Cantor called, What Kind of Love is God's Love? All of these teaching resources are yours for a donation of $10 or more to the Friendship with God radio program, which will help to support this program staying on this station that you're listening to now. Call us now or after the program at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Again, 800-247-3051. Call us to get all of these teaching resources from Tom Cantor as your resource of the month for a donation of $10 or more to the Friendship with God radio program. Now here's Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher on Friendship with God. And he'll teach us today from Genesis chapter 21 how God visited Sarah and how he also visited Abraham, Joseph, Moses, Hannah, Stephen, and even lost unbelievers still today. Now we see that he has now come with another word, which is the word of fulfillment in this chapter 21. And just as he promised that he would certainly return to them, it says, that's why it starts off, it says, God visited Sarah. When God came to bring this blessing... It was described as God visiting. And that same word became Joseph. Joseph, the brother. Joseph's theme of his message to the Jewish people when he was dying. It's always very interesting, a man's last words or his deathbed words or what he says. It's recorded oftentimes in Scripture. And Joseph's last words, so to speak, are recorded for us in Genesis chapter 50, verse 24, where it says, And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die. (laughs) I feel like that every day. But anyway, he says that. He says, I died, and God will surely visit you. See, he used that word. And bring you out of this land unto the land which you swear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I die. Joseph was dying. He said, I die. He knew he was dying. He said he was dying. He said, I die. And his last words to them center around this word. And it's a theme word that he uses over and over. He uses it several times. And it's the word visit. And he said, God will surely visit you. 
And he said that when God would visit his people, the Jewish people, his brothers and so forth, that he would bring them out of this land to the land that he had promised to give to the forefathers of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, for the Jewish people who lived in the best land of Egypt, they lived off the fat of the land. You know, yesterday I was talking to my wife and I said, well, I was really living high on the hog (laughs) when I was young. And she said, how could you live high on the hog? (laughs) I said, yeah, I guess we never said that. (laughs) I said, okay, so I lived high on the lamb. But anyway, (laughs) they were living high on the hog there in the Goshen. Anyway, so they were living there, and they were living the best of the land of Egypt, just the best in the land of Goshen. Life was good. Life was very good for them. And the idea, I mean, they just come from Canaan where they were starving to death there. So the idea of thinking of leaving the land, no. Why would you want to do that? The Egyptian people were very good to them when Joseph was dying. The land was very good to them. I mean, their brother was in the high position there. And then they had good harvest. The land of Goshen is, well, as it says, it's well watered from the Nile. They had good houses, and they had life was good. What's to complain? What's to complain? Who wants to leave Egypt? Egypt's nice. But wise Joseph, as he was dying, he saw the danger that his brothers were becoming too comfortable there. And he was dying, and he wanted them to not think about staying there permanently in Egypt. And he wanted them to think about as he's dying. He says, I want you just to think about leaving And so Joseph said that God was going to visit them and take them out. And he said, God is going to surely visit you. Now, you and I are just like Joseph's people in Egypt. And like Joseph's brother, we're pretty comfortable here in the U.S. I mean, like Joseph's brother, it could be better, but it's not bad. It's not as good as others, but it's not as bad as others. I mean, life's good. What's to complain? I mean, Joseph's brother, we say the country's good to us. Like Joseph's brothers, we say our jobs are not bad, except for Jim McDonald. He has to work for me, but apart from that, it's all right. <laughs> and like Joseph's brothers, we say, you know, who wants to leave? Who wants to leave? But our Joseph tells us in Luke 17, 32, 33, the Lord Jesus Christ says to us, remember Lot's wife and the tragic end of her because she turned back and she said, I don't want to leave. He says in verse 33, Luke 17, Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. And then we also have these words in Hebrews 11, 13 through 15, where it causes us to look back on our people, who are called the people of faith. And it says there, these all, he painted the picture in Hebrews 11, he said, these all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them. They didn't receive, but they saw them. Afar off. And they were persuaded, because you get persuaded by what you look at. And they were looking, at the, they were persuaded, and they embraced them. And they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare, declare, plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have opportunity to have returned. 1 Peter 2.11 says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you. I beg you, as strangers and pilgrims, think of yourself that way. You're not wanted. You're not wanted. The Jews, it's very unusual for them to be in any country where they're wanted. They're always not wanted. 
except in Israel. And even in Israel, they don't want them there either. The other people don't. The UN doesn't want them now there. UN has made this big historic vote. They said that they voted, including the United States, voted to condemn Israel for building the settlements. Not, they're not wanted by the world, even to be in that little sliver of land. Only one country stood with Israel. You know what country that was? It wasn't Costa Rica. <laughs> Australia. That's the only country that stood with poor Israel. We're in deep trouble. Anyway, and so he says, Psalm 119, I am a stranger in the earth. That's how we should think of ourselves. Hebrews 11:13 was as we talked about that. So this truth that God would visit Joseph's people and bring them out is so important that his deathbed words, he got them promise. He says, I want you to promise, pledge, make an oath. In Genesis 50, verse 25, and Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you'll carry up my bones from hence. So keep a good watch over my bones. Now, Joseph said on his deathbed that he wanted an oath from them so that they understood that God was going to visit them and take them out. And as comfortable as Joseph was in Egypt, in as high a position as Joseph had in Egypt, Joseph knew Egypt's not my home or the home of his people, and God's going to visit us and take us out. And what was so important to Joseph was that his bones should be taken out. And when they do, he said, I want you to think about that and remember that God promised that he's going to visit and take you out. And sure enough, that God did take them out, and when they left, it was Moses. Moses said, get the bones of Joseph. <laughs> well, it's a paraphrase. But in, verse, uh, in Exodus 13, 19, it says, and Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. I don't know, maybe he carried them along in his satchel. I don't know. For he had straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you'll carry up my bones from hence. Can you imagine Moses? He's walking along. He said, get those bones. I've got to get those bones. I've got to get the bones of Joseph before we leave. One last thing I've got to get. You guys get the matzah, I'll get the bones. <laughs> and he said, because God's going to visit and take an oath. Okay, someone said, but those bones are 400 years old. And he says, get the bones. He says, get the bones. And as they carried those bones out, and as he's carrying those bones out, we can see Moses saying, you know, by carrying these bones of Joseph, I can hear him speak from the bones. And he's saying, God will surely visit us. And I'm carrying these bones because we took an oath as his people to carry his bones out. So here we go, Joseph. We're taking your bones out. And when we die, it will be God visiting us to take us out of the world. Just like he took Stephen out of the world when he visited him in Acts 7, 55 and 59. It says he was full of the Holy Ghost. He looked up steadfastly unto heaven. He saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. And then the Jews, they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears, wouldn't listen, ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And witnesses laid their feet at the young man Saul's feet. And they stoned Stephen, calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. You know why Stephen said, receive my spirit? Because the Lord Jesus was there and he saw the Lord Jesus with his open arms receiving his spirit at his death. See, he'd come to visit him. The Lord Jesus had come to visit him. You've been in a hospital room of a Christian, and when he's passing from this life to the other life, you can almost sense the presence of God, as God comes to do that himself. And this visit by God was what Joseph had told his people, and it became, over the 400 years that they were in Egypt, a longing 
in Egypt. It was the message that came to, to Moses that he was supposed to tell the Jewish people when he went back to them as their leader. And God said to, the, to Moses, he said in Exodus 3.16, Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say unto them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, appeared unto me, saying, I have surely visited you and seen what is done to you in Egypt. And so when the Jewish people heard that, that God had visited them, they had one response, which was Exodus 4.31. And the people believed when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked upon their affliction, then they bowed their heads and worshipped. And that's the response of God's visitation. Bow the head and worship. And when you and I come to God alone in the morning for our time, our quiet time with God, and we start to read the Bible, and we come to really sense God is visiting me in this quiet time, we have one response like the Jewish people, and that's to bow the head and just worship and just simply say, Lord Jesus, I worship you. Just like the Jewish people when they realized that God visited them. So what we have seen is that when God delivered Israel from Egypt, it's described as God visiting Israel. In a personal instance, there was a Hannah, and because she had no children, she was in great misery. She had a miserable life with anguish, which is described in 1 Samuel 1.6, where it says, and her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. So Hannah was provoked sore to the point of misery, and when God brought her relief by making her have children, it's described in 1 Samuel 2.21, where it says, and the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bare three sons, two daughters. So when God brought Hannah relief, it's also described as God visiting Hannah. And then there was a time when Israel was starving, and we've studied this before as we looked at Ruth. There was no food, and Naomi and her husband, they left Israel for Moab. And when the famine was over, it's described in Ruth chapter 1, verse 6, and she arose, Naomi, with her daughters-in-law, that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. So what we've seen here in this case is that when Joseph was speaking in Egypt of Israel's future misery, in slavery in Egypt, that Joseph described the coming in Genesis 50, 24, God will surely visit you and bring you up out of this land. When Israel was delivered from Egypt's misery, we saw this described in Exodus 3.16, it was God saying, I have surely visited you. When Hannah was delivered from the misery of childbearingness and, and deliverance came, we saw in 1 Samuel 2.21, the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived. And when Israel was delivered from the famine, that deliverance in Ruth 1.6 is described the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. What do all these expressions mean? What are they teaching us? about this visiting and deliverance, that God does not take us out of trouble by remote control. But God delivers us personally by coming to us and visiting us. That's the great meaning behind the name of Jesus. When it says in Matthew 1.21, she shall bring forth a son unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. He came. And thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. The Lord Jesus Christ is the Savior. He is the Deliverer. How does he deliver? By visiting sinners in their great need. God's deliverance cannot be separated from God's visitation. 
That's why King David said in Psalm 106, verse 4, Remember me, O Lord, with thy favor that thou bearest unto thy people. O visit me with thy salvation. And we remember that the word saved and salvation, that's the word Yeshua or Jesus. So when the Jewish people say to me that Jesus does not appear in the Old Testament, I said, oh, yes, it does. It's translated salvation. Here it is. He's the visitor. He's the deliverer. He's the Savior. He's the Yeshua. He's Jesus. And when we're saved from our sins, God saved us with his salvation, with his Jesus. And then there was the priest Zacharias. Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist. He was the heralder of the coming of this Messiah. And he could not speak. He was made dumb until John the Baptist was born. And when he first spoke, he described what God had done in bringing Israel bringing Israel the Lord Jesus Christ. It was remarkable. He describes in such few words so many things that God did. When he says in Luke 1, 68, it says this, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. That describes God's visitation. That describes God's redemption. And hath raised up a horn of salvation in the house of David. That describes God's salvation. As he spake, that describes God's faithfulness in the mouth by his holy prophets. That describes God's prophecy, which hath been since the world began. That we should be saved, that describes God's purpose, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all them that hate us. To perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. That describes God's covenant of mercy. You know that song we sing sometimes in the breaking of bread time? Of covenant mercy I sing. That's where it comes from. The covenant was a covenant of mercy. The oath which he sware to our Father. That describes God's personal pledge that he should grant unto us that we be delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear. That describes God taking us as his peculiar treasure, personal treasure. In holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life, and thou, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation, that describes God's knowledge, unto his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God. That describes God chesed, loving kindness, whereby the day spring on high hath visited us to give light to them that sit in darkness in the shadow of death. That describes God's light to guide our feet into the way of peace. So Zacharias here describes bringing God's redemption, salvation, faithfulness, fulfillment of his prophecy, accomplishment of his purpose, covenant mercy, personal pledge, making us his peculiar treasure, God's knowledge, his loving kindness, his light. He describes all this by one word, visiting his people. He visited his people and all this came. God has one way of salvation, and that's by visiting a lost person and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. God's salvation and blessing to all men are all described as him visiting us because God's salvations and all of his blessings are in a person. The Lord Jesus Christ is God's one-stop shop (laughs) for all his blessings. (laughs) If we have him, we have it all. We have it all. We don't need the ordinances of the church, as one person in Utah was telling me yesterday, that he's going to get to heaven because he's getting all the ordinances of the church. We have it all in the Lord Jesus Christ, which is why he describes to us in Colossians 2, 2 through 3, Christ in whom are hid all the treasures 
of wisdom and knowledge. Colossians 1.19. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Colossians 2.10. You are complete in him. 1 Corinthians 1.30. Of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. And when Israel was dying of thirst in the wilderness, and they were so thirsty, and there was that rock, and from that rock came out all that water, not a trickle, a giant river, a gush, a geyser, a gusher came out all the water. It's described in 1 Corinthians 10.4, where it says, And they did all drink of the same spiritual drink, and they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Is that that rock was Christ. To the dying, thirsty Jewish person in the wilderness, when water flowed out like a river from that rock, a Jewish person could stand there, and he could look at that rock, and he could say, That rock with the water, the water is abounding toward me. It's huge. And that phrase, abounding toward me, is what's used in Ephesians 1.8, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. That's why it's so important to see that when God delivers and he saves man, it's described by our word in Genesis 21.1 as God visiting man. And you remember the time when the great crowd is shouting Hosanna and the procession of the people are going with the Lord Jesus Christ. They're on their way to Jerusalem. And it was Palm Sunday. And it was a joyful time. And he's heading out there toward Jerusalem. And he comes up just over the hill. And as he gets to that hill and he sees Jerusalem and the city just fills his eyes. And as it fills his eyes, he stops. And he looks at the city and he lets the sight of the city of Jerusalem fill his soul. And then and it's joyful. Everybody's, oh, they're so happy. They're rejoicing. They're shouting, Hosanna. And then something astounding happens. Right in the middle of that, he starts to cry. And he weeps. And the crowd is astonished. This is like, should be the happiest day of his life. He's being recognized as the Messiah, as God. And he's crying. And the crowd is just stunned. And they're silent. And then he speaks. And he tells them what he sees. And he says, I see Jerusalem. He says, I see Jerusalem surrounded by the enemy's trench. They've dug a trench all around it. I see Jerusalem under siege. I see Jerusalem being leveled to the ground with not one stone left upon another. And he cries because of all that he saw that the Jewish people had and lost. And it broke his heart. And he describes the reason in Luke 19.41. And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it saying, if thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they're hid from thine eyes. For the day shall come upon thee that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee and compass thee around and keep thee in on every side and shall lay thee even with the ground and lay thy children within thee and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another. Why? Because Thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. What was the reason? The reason because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. They didn't know that when the Lord Jesus Christ came to them, it was God coming to them. Like it says in Isaiah 7, 14, Therefore the Lord himself shall give thee a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So when the Lord Jesus Christ came, that was God coming to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. That was the Lord Jesus Christ coming to visit 
the Jewish people. And when the Jewish people saw the Lord Jesus Christ, they had a response in John 1.11. He came unto his own, his own received him not. And they had that response because of uh, how the song goes, they didn't know who you were. And why come they didn't know who you were? Because they didn't want to know who he was. And they despised and rejected him. And as one Filipino pastor told me, that one Jewish person told him in the Philippines, I'd rather go to hell than believe in Jesus. Now that's the ultimate description of they don't want to know who you were. And it's a tragedy the Jewish people did not know the time when God came to visit and to deliver them and to save them. And God visits the lost when he sends a Christian to talk to him about the Lord Jesus Christ. And he visits the lost when they hear the word of God and consider their own sin and the judgment and eternity and how far they are alienated away from God. And he visits the lost when he speaks to them. And that's the time for the lost to realize this is the moment of my visitation. And that's why it says in Hebrews 4, 7, again, he limiteth a certain day, saying in David, today, after so long a time, that is said, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program today. You can find Tom Cantor on Facebook. Just search for Tom Cantor, Friendship with God, or Israel Restoration Ministries. There you can receive a daily devotional verse from Tom Cantor, just a small verse and small commentary. You can also sign up for that daily devotional verse to come to your email or phone by going to friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. While you're there, there's lots of free resources as well as our online bookstore with lots of creation resources and teachings from Tom Cantor available at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also sign up online to send a free gift, a gospel gift, to a lost Jewish person. By going to friendshipwithgod.org and filling out the online form, you can send a gift to a lost Jewish person that you know so that they might be saved. To support the Friendship with God radio program and evangelical outreach ministries that we have, you can call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. 